This is Two Girls in a Campfire. I'm Allison. And I'm Sarah. And this week, our topic is Tennessee. Yay! Sarah (laughs) just left Tennessee. She came out to visit me for the first time. So we decided we should pick some stories that came from this state. Yeah. And we had, I had such a good time. Tennessee is beautiful. I loved it. It was so amazing to see you. And I just had a really awesome time there. Definitely planning, going to go back. Yay. Yeah, it was, we had a good time. It was awesome. Um, it's super beautiful in Tennessee, but I think that beauty tends to hide kind of the darker side of things, which is really kind of like my story today. It looks like this picture perfect family. And then it's not, of course, because I'm telling their story on our podcast. So, you know, it's terrible. Yeah, I'm so excited for the story. You were uh, talking about it and alluding to it the whole time I was there. So, uh, all right, let's get into it. All right. Um, I just want to do a quick trigger warning. This story is pretty intense. It has incest, rape, culty, church-like behavior, gaslighting. So just give you that warning up front. So we're going to talk about the Solomons today. The father, Aaron, he used to be a a Channel 4 news anchor and sports reporter in Nashville. And then he became a financial advisor at Merrill Lynch. His wife, Angelia, or Angie as she goes by, she has her doctorate in pharmacology. So they're both very well educated, you know, upstanding members of the community. They have two kids, Grant and Gracie. And like I said, they look like your typical American family. The kids go to private school associated with their church. Aaron is well-respected. He has a lot of powerful friends in the community. But that perfect appearance was just that. Aaron is physically and mentally abusive. He's very controlling and manipulative. So in 2013, Angie's had enough. It has gotten so bad that she and the kids lock themselves in the master bedroom to try and get away from Aaron's rage and violence. She wants to divorce him and take the kids with her somewhere safe. So as soon as Aaron hears about that, he comes after her and attacks her and he attempts to strangle her with a cord from a blow dryer. So the next day, Aaron takes her to the hospital and tells them that she attempted to strangle herself with the cord and they more or less believe him. They're like, oh, well, you know, he says that this is what happened. So we're going to listen to her. I mean, this seems like really extreme behavior from, I mean, you haven't mentioned really like she hasn't done anything horrible. So, I mean. He even has an excuse as to why Angie tells them that the kids sleep with her. And he says it's because Gracie had had eye surgery and then Grant wanted to keep her company. So Erin conspires with Angie's parents and they attempt to have her committed, but she gets released the following day. All three psychiatrists who spoke with her said that she was calm and she seemed to be telling the truth and she seemed very credible. But they also said that Aaron was volatile and possibly violent after they talked to him. So she comes home and finds the house empty. Aaron's taken the kids, he's left, and of course he drained their bank accounts. Um, She goes and files for a restraining order. And as soon as Aaron finds out, he files and gets one as well. So it's 2014. Their divorce is finalized. Angie was told by Aaron's lawyer that if she didn't sign the divorce paperwork, she would never see her kids again. 
Can you imagine just being here and having a lawyer pretty much tell you, if you don't do what we say, we're going to take your kids away. And for the most part, having, having no other choice. She didn't have anything else she could do. She sounds like a horrible person, but it's like, no, it's really this guy who's so manipulative. Like if he's manipulative with her, he, he's like that in his everyday life. Right. So who knows what he's telling these people? Exactly. So they go to court. And conveniently, the judge happens to be a friend of Aaron. Mm -hmm. So he says that since Angie was suicidal, or at least that's the story Aaron was telling, and that she had been in a mental hospital, that Aaron will get full custody of the kids and Angie can have a couple hours of supervised visitation a week. This is just crazy, crazy behavior. Now, like I said, she is a doctor. She's educated besides that one little you know, when he tried to kill her and took her to the hospital, she's never had any mental health issues. She's never had any signs of being suicidal. So all of this is just straight up bullshit that Aaron has made up. That's horrifying. Who does that? What a psycho. Oh, wait, it gets better or worse, you know. So almost immediately, Aaron starts to refuse visitation for Angie. And it gets so bad that for almost a year and a half, he actually tells the kids that Angie has died so that they would stop asking to go see her. And these kids are little. Um, I want to say Grace is about six when they get divorced and Grant's a couple of years, a few years older than her. So, I mean, these are little kids that are told, oh, your mom died. So stop fucking asking. Go play in your room. That's so sad. That's really sad. Yeah, it's terrible. And actually, it was so bad, even before they got divorced, that Grant had taken that very protective role of his mom and his sister, and he yelled at Aaron during a fight one time that when he was grown up and he was six foot four, Aaron would never be able to hurt his mom or his sister again. So you just have this little kid who's like, just wait, you know, I'll take care of them later, which is kind of terrible. It's sad. So in 2015, uh, Gracie starts telling her mom that in, in addition to the physical abuse, Erin had actually been sexually assaulting her. When she was six, which was right about when Erin got custody, he started molesting her. And then when she was 11, he began raping her. As the kids get older, Angie gets a little bit more visitation and... Occasionally, it's not supervised. On one of those occasions, Angie takes the kids into a neighboring county to try and get help for them. Well, guess who finds out? And Erin has her arrested since she wasn't allowed to take the kids out of the county according to her visitation rights. So she's in jail for three days, which she later goes on to say were the scariest days of her life. And I think that like, that really says something when you're like, you lived with this guy who beat the shit out of you, who controlled and manipulated you. But when you were in jail, it was even worse than that. I mean, this is like, this guy is like mafia mentality. He probably had people in there threatening her. For sure. I'm sure if you know the judge and your buddy, buddy, you're going to know the deputies that work at the jail. Like, yeah, who knows what was going on in there? That poor woman. So Aaron and the judge, his buddy. Tell her that if she tells anyone about the sexual abuse, they will keep her in jail for at least 30 days. And somehow, like, I don't really understand this, but so that extra 27 days that she didn't serve, they kind of like suspended it or put it on reserve. So 
Erin actually has her thrown in jail another two times. I guess until she uses up those 30 days, he can just still send her back. I mean, I don't think that's how it's supposed to work, but in like Looney Tuneville. Right. <laughs> so during all of this, Grant had a friend who lived down the street and he would go stay there and his friend's mom like tried to help him. She knew like his home life was shitty, you know, that they got divorced or whatever, but not like the actual extent. And so she kind of like mothered him and was there when his mom couldn't be there. Also, kids at school knew about the abuse and they also knew that Grant and Gracie were afraid of their dad and didn't want to go home. Multiple friends told the headmaster of their private school about it. Gracie and Grant told him too. And since Tennessee is a mandated reporting state, he should have reported it. However, he's a piece of shit too. And he never did. Also, fun facts about him. Robbie Mason, that's the headmaster. He likes to brag that he met his wife when she was 15 and he was coaching her basketball team. What the? So yeah, obviously he's a great guy. This is, what, is this just like a town full of pedophiles? Like that's like, what is in the water? This is insane. And also they go to the same church. The school is affiliated with their church or cult. It's called Grace Chapel and it is a fundamentalist church. They pretty much raise their daughters to be meek, submissive, and to cater to their husband's every demand. Angie's parents, who, if you remember, tried to have her committed, attended a similar church. Angie was raised in that environment. Oh, isn't that interesting? Exactly. Uh, the church likes to cover up accusations of sexual abuse by, you know, gaslighting the victims and pretty much providing a refuge for the abusers. Angie's father had said that Aaron could do anything he wanted with Angie, even hit her. So that's the life that Angie grew up in and unfortunately married into again. Yeah. Like, well, so it kind of makes sense that somebody is educated. They are a doctor. This is just kind of a way of life that they are familiar with. Because guaranteed, somebody that doesn't have that kind of religious upbringing is not necessarily going to be, you know, kind of going along with things for as long as she did, hopefully. Yes. Uh, So the founding pastor of Grace Chapel is a guy named Steve Berger. He gave a sermon called Biblical Qualifications for Bringing an Accusation Against Someone. And in there, he talks about that there must be multiple witnesses, such as other people or fingerprints or DNA, in order for the accusation to be valid. And this is recent, like in the times of the Me Too movement. So none of those accusations were biblical because there weren't any witnesses, which I don't know, usually sexual assault isn't performed in front of a crowd of witnesses. He also stepped down from his position in early 2021 and denied that it had anything to do with the backlash he had received from attending the January 6th Capitol riot, because of course he's a Trump supporter. Even more fun facts about this church, Grace Chapel has some very prominent members like the Tennessee governor, Bill Lee, the Tennessee senator, Jack Johnson, and his wife, Judge Deanna Johnson. And remember her name, because we're going to come back to that in just a minute. And also the judge who presided over the divorce and visitation case and who threw Angie in jail. He's also a church member. Okay, so you need to leave Tennessee immediately. Right. (laughs) That's what I'm hearing. This is this is this runs deep wow yeah it's terrible 2018 they have a court case a court date coming up in september 
And Grant feels like the judge is going to rule in his favor because of some of the stuff that the judge has said to him. Okay, so they go to the court hearing. Grant brings a friend with him who was going to speak in front of the judge and pretty much back up their claims of abuse. Well, the judge refuses to let him talk and he denies the kid's request to live with their mom. The abuse just gets worse and worse and the kids end up running away and they go stay with their mom. During that uh, court date, Gracie takes the stand to talk about her abuse and because everyone in the story is fucking shitty, Aaron's attorney, Scott Parsley, he tries to intimidate her and he's gaslighting her pretty much the same way her dad does all the time. But she's like, she's just like a child though. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. She is, that was 2019. So she's like 12. Oh, okay. 11 or 12 at the time. But yeah, you're, you're trying to intimidate a fucking 12 year old. And in January of 2019, Angie and Aaron are back in court. And who did I tell you to remember just a minute ago? Ooh, the judge, Deanna. Deanna? Yep. Guess who's presiding over their court case? <gasps> no way. Yep. So she accuses Angie of harassing Aaron and tells her her claims of abuse are without merit. Okay. And I don't know how the fuck this is legal. She bars her from filing any civil cases against Aaron for six years which coincidentally will be after Grace turns 18. That's not what? Yeah. Custody cases and child abuse and visitation. That's all civil cases. So she can't take him back to court for visitation at all. That's insane. Yeah. Literally insane. That is not how the court and justice system is supposed to work. Exactly. She also refuses to listen to not one, but three different mental health professionals who all said Angie was very sane. And actually her only mental health problem was PTSD. Thanks to the years of torment from Aaron. Like I said, this is years. It was what 2014. So five years later, literally they're still bringing up that one time when she spent the night in a psych ward. And somehow that makes her completely insane. Oh my gosh. This is, this is crazy. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So on a side note, you know, just in case you need more proof of what a fucking terrible person Deanna is, in 2016, a sixth grader, so it's what, 10, 11, was sexually assaulted and raped by several other students in a locker room at Brentwood Academy. And after the assault, they were dismissed and belittled by the headmaster, Curtis Masters. And then Deanna ruled it as having no merit and dismissed it with prejudice. And so this poor kid gets no kind of, you know, justice for being abused like that. And then her husband, Senator Johnson, he allegedly helped cover up a sexual assault of a three-year-old by a teenager at Sunday school. This is sick. This This is horrifyingly sick. Like, this is fucking ridiculous. This is not okay. What is happening? Yes. This is what happens. This is why, no, 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 no. Like, not okay. What's wrong with these people? Normally, I'm okay with, like, different true crime topics. But, like, literally, this makes me so fucking livid with these people and this fucking bullshit church. But, I mean, like, these are, but these are people, like, that. these are people that are within your state. These are people making 
governmental level decisions about individuals' lives. Like this is not exactly this is deeper than true crime. Like this is like serious mafia-esque behavior. Like these are people literally controlling other people's lives in in an entirely negative way. Yeah. These are the people who are making laws and in court they're enacting precedents for future cases. And they're just they're terrible so in some kind of weird what the fuck is going on again moment somewhere around the end of 2019 beginning of 2020 Aaron goes and he buys burial plots for himself and the kids and Angie like what the fuck these people are sick in the head right like this is just like this is sick I don't even know another word for it I I, thanks nice English degree I, I can't even, I'm just like, I don't ha- even have the right words because this is just crazy. It sounds ridiculous. Like this would, if this was a movie and we were watching it, we'd be like, that would never happen. That's just craziness on top of craziness on top of fucking batshit crazy. Yeah, it, you're exactly right. If this was a movie, we would just be saying how fucked up it is, that, that nothing like that would ever happen. Nobody's that insane. And then here, like this is literally happening not 30, 40 years ago, like in the last five years, in the last yeah. two years. Uh, yeah, the last year. Yeah. We'll get to that here in a minute. Oh, yeah, good. more. All right. So June 13th, 2020, Grant turns 18. He's been living with his mom and he tells Gracie that now that he's 18, he's going to go to court and he's going to get custody of her. So she'll finally be free of Aaron. She's 13. So July 20th, just over a month later, I hadn't mentioned it before, but Grant is like an all-star pitcher and Aaron likes to brag about him because it makes it look good for his image, right? You've got this kid that's this great baseball player. So he goes to pitching practice. Aaron's going to meet him at the field. At 7.37, Grant left the house. He calls his mom at 7.51 and tells her, that after practice, he's going to go hang out with his girlfriend. That was the last time Angie spoke to him. She had Life360 on his phone, which is kind of, it does like tracking for you. So Grant arrives at the field between 827 and 841 because Life360 is an exact. So there's kind of like a time frame when he got there. According to Aaron, who of fucking course he is, the only witness, Grant parked his truck and went to get his baseball gear out of the bed. When the truck started rolling backwards, it drug him across the pavement, down a hill, and into a ditch. Yeah, no. Exactly. So Aaron said he was parked next to him, and he was sitting in his car checking work emails when he realized what happened. So Aaron calls 911 at 8.44 a.m. Grant was taken by ambulance from the scene, and he's pronounced dead at 9.28 a.m. In Aaron's 911 call, which you can listen to, I might put a link. I think 911 calls are fucking terrible, but in this, he says, I got three guys here and he's trapped under the truck. Okay. So not only are those three guys ever identified, 
But when police arrive at the scene, there is nobody else there that witnessed it besides Aaron. So no one knows what the fuck he was talking about. Grant gets diagnosed as being in cardiac arrest with blunt force trauma to the back of his head. And he has a TBI, a traumatic brain injury. Right off the bat, Gracie and Andrew are like, that fucking can't be true. It doesn't make any sense. So Grant never kept his gear in the bed of his truck. He put it in the back seat behind the driver's side. So why the fuck would he be behind the truck? How did Aaron not hear him scream or cry for help? Also, friends and family say that Grant always contacted his girlfriend when he got to a new location before he got out of his truck. So normally he would, you know, Snapchat or text or whatever. Hey, I'm at baseball practice. I'll see you in two hours or whatever. He didn't do it that day. Like I said, that is completely out of the ordinary for him. Also, we can't find his phone. So what happened to that? Okay, all of these things are totally valid, but the only piece of evidence you need is that he suffered blunt force trauma to the back of his head. Right. That's all you need to know. Well, just wait. So a week later, Aaron is explaining to Angie what happened. And again, this is some weird, I'm not sure why, but it's being recorded, this whole conversation. His story now changed to that Grant was getting his stuff out of the back seat. Angie went and looked at the body of her son and she was fucking shocked. So she's a doctor. She went to med school. His body was intact with very little injury. Uh, The hospital staff recorded a bleeding wound to his skull and three bruises, one on his jaw, one near his left hip, and the other on his right thigh. But where are all the injuries that would be caused by being dragged down the hill? Where are the injuries from the rocks? from being under the hot car. You'd expect him to have burns. There's no fractures, punctures, bleeding, or any other wounds besides those bruises. Although Angie requests an investigation, the cops took Aaron's statement and promptly closed the case, like that same fucking day. Before Angie could get to the hospital, Aaron refused an autopsy. He refused any post-mortem inspection or organ donations. Aaron also refused to have the truck investigated to see if there was something faulty with the brake line or the transmission or something, an actual reason why the truck would have just rolled out of gear down the hill. Gracie is 14 years old. On May 12, 2021, an anonymous account called Freedom for Gracie posted an 18-minute video to YouTube. And this video is so horrifying. Gracie talks in detail about her sexual abuse and the ways Aaron controlled them and the terror that he caused their family. Even though she has a temporary restraining order against him since Grant's death, he shows up at Gracie's school whenever he wants. No one prevents him from coming on the property. In the video, Gracie says she thinks her dad killed Grant to keep him from going to court, and she fears for her life. So a week after this video is uploaded, Aaron files a suit against Angie and 20 other people including friends of Grant's, for having a smear campaign against him. He's fucking pissed off at these teenagers who are like, you're a fucking terrible person, and he sues them. Two weeks after that, DCS finally removes Gracie from Aaron's house and puts her in foster care. But Aaron is still her custodial parent, and he hasn't been charged in any of these crimes that he's been accused of. 
So on that, Freedom for Gracie also has an Instagram account. And they posted yesterday that she started high school, still in DCS custody, even though there's no grounds for her to still be there. And she should have been released and let to go live with her mom. But since literally everyone in this fucking state is in the same church as them, she's just stuck there. But yeah, that Instagram account is crazy. They have court documents. They have like police reports. You can see um, there's like a diagram of the scene of supposedly how the truck rolled back. Aaron is driving his truck for months and everyone's like, well, aren't you scared that, you know, there's something wrong with it and you're just going to keep driving it like nothing's wrong. And then he ends up selling it for scrap. And Angie manages to find it and fucking goes and buys the truck so that they can do an investigation and actually look for evidence inside this truck. So you definitely need to go and you'll spend hours on this poor Instagram account. It's They just have so much evidence of everything. It's crazy. So this is nuts, but I would just like to kind of tie this back to an earlier episode we did. You said this guy works for Merrill Lynch. Yeah. So isn't that strange about this whole like financial industry, power hungry mafia type behavior? Well, and I forgot to mention too, but he's like a financial advisor for so many people that are, you know, higher ups in the county. So it's really not only are they friends, but he's there making them money. Oh, yeah. So like the judges and all of these people of power. Of course. It's always the people. You need to watch Ozark. Like, that's what's happening. <laughs> like, there's some cartel, mafia, money laundering happening. Yeah. Like, weird shit happens. People don't think it happens, but weird shit is happening. All this stuff that they make movies about, that's literally happening. They're just trying to, like, make us think it's not a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Let's, and that was what I thought, too, when I saw that. I was just like, oh, more bank ties cool follow the money follow the money yeah right they say math is the universal language follow the money it's going to tell you everything you need to know about anybody or any entity or company exactly i don't know i don't know how to work the internet that well but <laughs> somebody out there knows how to oh, do it and also i didn't mention so i read three or four different articles and two of them are posted under a pseudonym because the backlash, even to journalists, is fucking ridiculous. And then one, uh, there was a woman who did a report and she had used her real name and she like just talked about getting harassed, all of this stuff since her article came out and it's ridiculous. So his lawyer uses Instagram to talk shit about Angie and Gracie and their claims of abuse. And I'm like, you're fucking what, 60, 70? Like, and you're fucking bull- cyber bullying a fucking 14 year old. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but it's surreal. Like, it's, I mean, literally, I remember, you know, anytime you go to court about anything, they tell you stay off of social media. Don't, you don't want to show bias. Like, And then here's the attorney just doing all the dirty work. Also, Aaron's lawyer gets suspended from his law firm because he was tricking his clients into signing over their 
fucking property to him. Oh yeah. That's a real nice guy. There's a lot of like, this is of course, I mean, you can't even be shocked to find out that there's even more bullshit going on because of Of course course there there is. (laughs) Exactly. So since my story was so terrible, is yours maybe not as dark? Hopefully. I don't even know how to follow this. We're just going to, we're going to wrap up. We're going to talk about a silly kind of urban Tennessee urban legend. We're going to go there. So I just, uh, I knew yours was going to be heavy. So I kind of wanted to do something different. Um, So we're going to talk about Skinned Tom. And Skinned Tom is a legend of Tennessee. S-K-I-N, Skin? Yeah, Skinned. Like his skin has been removed. Ew. Skinned alive. (laughs) So this is an urban legend from Walland, Tennessee. And it has a little bit of everything for everybody. And Walland looks like it is it's like a little town outside of Knoxville. Cool. Knoxville is like two hours from my house. Oh, but we didn't make it there. No. Nope. Maybe next time. We'll go find him. Yes. Well, no. Well, I don't think we will, but I'll tell you why. So uh, the legend is, is that Tom was this like super handsome, funny, smart guy. And all the ladies loved him, right? He was a ladies man and he wooed multiple women is in his town. Eventually he kind of like ran the gamut. There's only so many people in these tiny towns centuries ago. And so Tom decides to kind of venture out and he ends up meeting this woman named Eleanor from kind of the next town over. Eleanor was like, she was the one. She was like this really beautiful woman with like long, dark hair. And Tom really felt like, okay, this is the one for me. So he's going to settle down finally? Yeah, like, yeah, Tom's going to settle down. But the only problem is that Eleanor was already married. Yikes. So... Right. That's how it always happens. Okay. So they, so Tom and Eleanor decide that their love is bigger than her marriage and they are not going to stop seeing each other. Good plan. Yeah. Right. That's, that's always the best thing. So Tom and Eleanor are sneaking around for a while and they like to sneak out to the woods to this place called Lover's Lane. Of course. And this is right. This is where they would go. One day, Eleanor's husband kind of catches on to what's what's happening and he follows them to lover's lane the husband basically the legend says that he loses his shit and he's very upset understandable right but he's a very skilled hunter he's like the town's best hunter so instead of killing tom he decides that he's going to skin him alive so he skins the boyfriend and throws his skinned body of skin basically over the, this like tree limb. I don't know why there's always something hanging from a tree in a scary urban legend story, but here the skin is hanging from the tree. All one piece? Yeah, all one piece. Like you, like, like an animal. I can't even like skin an apple <laughs> in one piece. Or peel a potato. Right. Well, you're not a very skilled hunter either, so... You don't know that. Okay. <laughs> so you just, you know, like basically that's what happens. And that's kind of where the legend ends. 
is that they skin Tom. And now if you are a cheater and you're out on lover's lane, skin Tom will come and find you and he will stab you with the knife used to skin him alive. So he, he kept the knife. Cheaters beware. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's an urban legend, <laughs> so there's not a lot of facts, you know, there's not a lot of facts behind it. But also, I don't understand why the, I mean, what is he? He was the cheater, but now he feels so bad about cheating that he's going to go find you if you're a cheater and then kill you too. I don't know. Yeah. You think it had been like the boyfriend, the boyfriend haunts there. I mean, the husband. This legend has been around for a really long time. This is like a really old legend muscle you know like the skeleton with just like all the muscles on it you know what i'm talking about like that's all the that's the picture of him running around so yeah um yeah don't be a cheater in tennessee also who still goes to lover's lane i don't know but it sounds like the husband probably belonged to that weird church so there you go that's why he felt that was an appropriate response uh, appropriate punishment <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. You know, or yeah, you're right. Like if you're going to cheat, just don't do it outside. So Tom can't get you. Lock your fucking car doors. Come on, people. What year is this? Yeah. He's, he doesn't have any skin. So he has no, he can't tactilely grip anything. Right? You're fine. You're fine. Nobody's in a horse and buggy. Maybe he could, that's how he could get you. But now his hand just slips right off the hand. God damn it. Technology. <laughs> Saving us from one urban legend at a time. Woo! Thank God for cars. Yay! Well, your story was fun. Yeah, yours was horrible. Yeah. I think you need to think about moving. For sure. I already have. (laughs) (laughs) For a long time, but yeah. But Tennessee's so pretty! Yeah, well, you need something to distract you from the terrible, weird Gilead-esque shit happening. Exactly. You don't watch Handmaid's Tale, but the Handmaid's people will get the Gilead reference. Like, that's what's happening. Yeah, I still haven't watched it. That's literally why I got Hulu, like, four years ago. I still haven't watched them. <laughs> All right. Well, what are we What are we going to talk about next week? We, ha- we took a little hiatus. Vacation wasn't as recorded heavy as we thought was going to happen. Shocker. We should have known better. Right. But we're back, and we do have some really great things lined up. Um, I think it's a surprise. We don't know what we're talking about yet. It depends. Okay. We got to get some stuff to fall in line. Excellent. I I think I heard a rumor that there might be a guest. That is true. It'll be very (sighs) exciting. All right. Okay. Well, campfire fans, thanks for being here. Check us out online. The number two girls in a campfire.com. I'll have some bonus stuff for my story this week and a bunch of links. You can go check that out. We'll We'll see see you around around the campfire. campfire. Bye. Let's just overthrow the government. Okay. You can't say that either. We got to end this show. (laughs) All right. (laughs)